0: Welcome to Trashy Divorces. Get ready to take the garbage out, y'all. It's another week of Trashy D. And this week we're going about it a little bit differently because Alicia has been itching to tell the very trashy tale of the many, many loves... Ish of Pablo Picasso. So we're actually just going to do this one story this week because it it runs about an hour and we realize that maybe people aren't really digging our hour and 45 minute long episodes. So we've just, it's a good one though. (laughs) Yeah, today we're talking about a big old yikes, Pablo Picasso. Super yikes. I did not even know how yikes it was.
1: Talented, hardworking Scorpio dude, but wowza, Mm. kind of an ass to girls. Train wreck with a paintbrush. This week is a story of his nine lady love cats. Mm-hmm. Uh, our musical episode title. Sure. Love Cats. The Love Cats by The Cure, which was actually released in 1983, if you want to feel old, as hmm. a standalone single. It was the band's first top 10 hit in hmm. the UK. Peaked at number seven. It reached number six on the Australian chart as well. Hmm. It was then put on an album. Japanese Whispers, released in December. But love cats. As I was going through, I couldn't not see the connection. And apparently y'all like the cure as much as I do. So super happy about this one. You did ask on Facebook, yeah. Okay, before we get to our episode, yo... Love cats on Patreon. It's been a fun week over there it
0: has, and to be clear, um this Picasso story, it does tie into the side piece uh limited series that we're doing over there. Because it does Picasso was a trash bag <laughs> <laughs> no, side pieces is a lot
1: of fun. We are pulling let's talk about what we did on Patreon this week, so side pieces mm-hmm. came out on Wednesday. I covered the uh. Sad, tragic tale of Dale Tryon, also known as Kanga, Prince Charles's other mistress. Oh, right, right, right. You had your bonus divorce on Tuesday. I
0: did. I covered a sleazy divorce move uh, in New York known as the McMahon Rule. It's no longer a thing, but the story of how it came to be was it's just a fun... Pretty cool. It's Just people behaving badly. And as we know, that's that's what I love. Speaking of... What I'm here
1: for. <laughs> Speaking of behaving badly, our... Kitchen Sink Trashy Tidbits this week was all about men behaving badly yeah. in some extreme ways. So, yeah, that took a turn. Yeah, <laughs> took a turn on that one. That is true. So in our magic mirror this week on Patreon.
0: Yeah. Whoa.
1: A lot. So many great people have joined us over there for all the fun trash candy, finally curated and shit, yes. happening over on Patreon. Start us out, Stacey. Sure.
0: Uh, with all of the gratitude, we have Anna V. Alicia S., Kate S., Serena, Emily D., and with some added
1: fanfare and great celebration, Shannon B., Karina, Michelle D., Taryn T., Scott D., Rihanna J., Kendra
0: K., Kristen L., and with fireworks and celebrations in the night sky, we have (laughs) Abby L., Heather C., Cynthia S., Susan R., Steph W., Tiffany B, Kai Wen, Laura G, Faith T, and
1: Aaron B. Thanks, friends, for joining us on the Patreon. We hope you are having as much fun as we are with all the trash candy over there. And oh, also don't forget, Trashy Impeachment, Stacey.
0: Oh, sure. And we'll have, I think, another episode for that probably on Tuesday. I am keeping notes, though. There's so much happening. It is a fire hydrant.
1: And y'all, there are four of those up so far. If you want our rundown of what's happening, you can go to patreon.com slash trashy divorces. And those are all access to the public.
0: Yeah. And you can search by the tag impeachment if you're having trouble finding all four. So there you go. Anyway, we have flaming paintbrushes to get to. (laughs) This really is quite the story. Thank you for taking the time to put all of this together. This is amazing. Are you ready to talk about the nine lady love cats yeah. of Pablo Picasso? Yes, I am. Let's go, go, go. All right, Alicia, I've been listening to you growl and giggle as you've been writing this for days. So for days and days. It's I a- am excited to hear about this trash pile.
1: The Nine Lady Cat Loves of mm. Pablo Picasso. Yeah, Nine Lady Cat Loves. We're bringing, tying it into Love Cats.
0: Have paintbrush. Will adulterer. Pretty much.
1: <laughs> All right. Gosh, it's such a good story. Technically, no divorce. Interesting. We have a 30-year about-to-be-divorced thing happening, but no technical divorce, but a lot of trash. I'm hoping the trash content fills you up to outweigh the never actually got divorced. Okay. Oh, it's such a good story. Okay. Pablo. Pablo. Picasso. Oh, man. Born October 25th, 1881. He's a Scorpio man. That's probably all I need to say. <laughs> As a kid, Pablo is always in his dad's studio. He's the son of an artist. Well, art for the time. Because dad paints pigeons which are apparently in high demand in the best dining rooms in their little sleepy seaside Spanish village. Interesting. Pigeon paintings. So little Pablo, like from the age of five, draws compulsively on anything he can find. He won't go to school unless he can draw. Like his sketchbooks are filled. The kid is definitely a visual learner, but his need for capturing the world around him in sketches almost gets compulsive. He's manic about it to where the outside world doesn't exist when he's drawing, when his attention is focused on something, it is a compulsive manic thing. And he's always looking for new challenges to draw, but the kid is fucking gifted. He has quick strokes and they are confident. So dad's like, I guess I have to train you to do art kid. (laughs) I know. So dad begins to teach Pablo technique and color theory and composition. And they go into this learning program that dad monitors a hundred percent, but he's also motivating Pablo a hundred percent, too. And dad, all dad wants to be is an academic painter. And he looks at his son like, whoa, buddy, you could probably be an academic painter. That's my dream.
0: Does that mean like a fine artist as opposed to a like a commercial artist? Like a
1: academic painter, like I paint for study and I teach other like a professor. Okay. Professor of painting. But
0: instead he's painting pigeons for commercial sale. And going fucking broke. Like not like I mean he (sighs) so you're saying the pigeon market was not super lucrative?
1: (laughs) Not exactly. But
0: dad takes Pablo under his wing to paint (laughs) pigeons, right?
1: (laughs) That's funny. Okay. All right. Pablo paints his – and dad's teaching him. And he paints his first painting in oil at eight and a half. And, like, his brush strokes are a little uncertain, but for an eight and a half year old on your first oil painting, it is whoa. And from the age of eight and a half, Pablo begins to learn how to paint like he has to draw. And so his paintings now are growing more and more confident by the day. Okay. At the age of 10, dad achieves his dream. He gets a, well, ish. He gets a job as a drawing teacher. Cool. Okay. In Coruna. Looking up. Well, it's totally, like, they've lived in sleepy southern Spain. Now they're going to northern Spain. And it is culture shock. It is an austere, wrapped-up, tight town. It rains all the time. The houses are close together. There's no sunshine. There's no bullfighting. There's no friends. Like, it is...
0: That's so funny, because I think of Spain as very sunny, but obviously the rain in no, Spain there's... falls mainly where Picasso lives.
1: <laughs> 10, that's true. So, for poor dad, like, this melancholy mood is set in, and dad just watches the rain every day. Mm. Like, he, it is... Like he's
0: sapping his strength. Gets
1: part of his dream. Like, oh, I'm a drawing teacher. We've got a steady income. Things are looking up. But they relocate to a place he hates. Right. So there's definitely some kind of a Mago thing going on here. And Pablo is watching the psychological collapse of his father. But Pablo, making the best of it. He's drawing. There are new things here to observe. He's never seen these things before. Rocky coastlines and graze and mute it like he's used to sketching bullfights not rocky coast okay different vibes he's an observer so at 14 the student becomes the master dad in his melancholy mood one night this is like a legendary story it's like pablo just can you finish the painting for me son and pablo goes to the canvas and paints the most artistic, th- you know, like it it's done in this dramatic sweep of a gesture. Dad's like, it's you, kid. And he hands over his palette and his brush and like kneels before him. And like dad knows at this point he's taken Pablo as far as he can. And this admitting of, oh, my God, my kid is 14 and he is already better than what I've worked my whole life to achieve. It's probably no help on dad's confidence.
0: These things happen though.
1: So he sort of passes the torch. Dad on the flip side does get a job that he wants as a teacher of drawing in Barcelona after this. So things kind of look up for dad, April, 1895. Everybody heads on down to Barcelona. Pablo at 14 enrolls in the school of art where dad is teaching. Pablo's 14 years old. He's the youngest person there. Everybody else there is kind of in their early 20s, but he is by far leaps and bounds, worlds apart, more talented than anyone else in the room. And he dominates the work, but the other students really do respect him. And in a year, he absorbs every style to take it and flip it to his own. By the end of the first year, he's got no more to learn. He's out of there. Can you imagine? No, done with art school. I'm the Doogie Hauser of art. Yeah, a I'm savant, done with art school in a year. A little, yeah, a like painting savant, yeah. gifted. So, the next step of an artist, right? He needs a salon. He needs a painting of his to show somewhere in an exhibition, so he can get you know name recognition. And he paints this very serious painting about a girl in her first communion, and it's a it's a hit. Hung in an exhibition in 1896. he gets an award of the Medal of Honor in 1897.
0: Wins his first Grammy?
1: He's 15. Like he's <laughs> exhibited and winning at 15. And by 16, Scorpio Boy wants something a little more exciting in life than what his father has planned of a life in academic painting. And he's kind of Pablo's kind of looking to put some distance between uh, he and dad and thinks it's time for him to stretch out his wings a little. Time to fly, Pops. By 18, Pablo is skipped out, living by himself in Barcelona. Father's furious. Dad cuts him off. He's got no money. Pablo, 18, doesn't care. You gotta fight for your right to party it up and paint, Dad. He's living with all these former art students, making friends. They're all a bunch of rebels. They have renounced their predestined paths that their fathers have given them, and they are... Seeking a world all their own. It's very fresh and exciting, right?
0: Can can I ask, it sounds like Pablo Picasso was born right around the same time that the camera as an ongoing invention was coming into being. Is that about right? 1880s? Is that about when photography started to happen?
1: I think so. We're going to talk about it in Trashy Tidbits. While he's trying to paint Gertrude Stein's portrait, he ends up dosing way hard on opiates. And the thing he's trying to figure out is how is painting still valid in a world where photography has now taken over?
0: Well, and as you're talking about like these young artists rebelling against, you know, their their parents' style of art, their parents grew up in a time when painting something accurately it was
1: very it was realistic. Yes, because well, there because
0: you didn't have photographs.
1: That's exactly right. This
0: is a generation that technology changed. Oh, for beyond. Yeah. Yes. That's so fascinating. Okay. Sorry. Continue.
1: Okay. So 18 in Barcelona, living a bohemian lifestyle. Dad is mortified and devastated by Pablo's behavior. Why is he throwing it all away? He's penniless
0: and wasting away kids these days. Newfangled. Yeah. Kids these days. (laughs) That's exactly (laughs) the plaintive cry of all parents.
1: Pablo's father looks nothing like Red Foreman, but I imagine Red Foreman from the 70s show a lot with this yep, yep. throwing it all away. Okay. In Barcelona at the time, there is definitely this budding ferment of an avant-garde set. It's happening and it's fun for a while, but come on. Paris is where it's at. Modern art. Even though we haven't ended La Bella Epoque yet, that's not going to come for another 14 years. The beginning of the making of this modern art movement is happening in Paris, and Pablo has to be in on the scene. So on his 19th birthday, October 25th, 1900, it is Bonjour Paris. And for as exciting as that had to have been, just to, I'm in Paris and the place where it's all happening, Pablo lands smack dab in the middle of the 1900 World Fair, (laughs) There are 50 million visitors in Paris, which Yikes. has been totally reconstructed sure. the metro just opened. there are moving sidewalks installed along the Seine. Wow, I know. So accompanying the World's Fair is this exhibition at the Grand Palais of a hundred years of French art that's mm. fucking free. So oh. Pablo can go walk through and look at great masters every single day plus Paris, Looks like a giant theme park on LSD. So think about this kid, like a visual learner, a visual artist. He doesn't know one word of French. He's totally unknown. But oh, Scorpios. Huge ambition and an overwhelming desire to work. Scorpios get it done. And Pablo is not going to waste any time. Okay, so this is Paris in 1900. Like, let the good times roll. It is debauchery central. Way better than Barcelona. And this town is filled with some easy virtue honeys and dancers and waitresses. And there are carn... It is... And Pablo, up to this point, has been painting pigeons in his dad's studio, right? Like, shielded kind of from love. He's been busy with art and his obsessive dad and very little taste of the, how do you say, freedom. (laughs) So, he and his buddy from Barcelona have come to Paris. It's another artist whose last name is Casagamas. 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 It...
0: Casagamas.
1: No. <laughs> Casagamas. They find a place in Montmartre, up in the hills mm-hmm. overlooking sure. the city. Sure. Lots of stairs to get sure. up there. It's high on a hilltop uh-huh. looking down on the city mm-hmm. of Paris.
0: Sure.
1: Okay. In 1900, Montmartre is a village filled with artistic bohemians. They're all penniless artists fed by passion and the work and like good for Pablo. His work is noticed by a dealer pretty much immediately who can sell like Pablo. I need you to paint this thing on demand. He sells them like quick. He's getting a payment of 150 francs per month for these paintings on demand. So Pablo has walked into Paris, gotten a steady gig, <laughs> makes a living at art. Like, come on, pops, this was fucking easy, right? Like, for what? There's <laughs> girls, what? and what? I'm. Why did you struggle? Yeah, everything's groovy, and uh, Casagamas and Picasso meet these two girls that become their models and friends, Germaine and Odette, and Germaine and Casagamas hook up. And Odette and Pablo are kind of knocking it around, too. And Pablo's like, seriously, is it really this easy to find a mistress? Like, living's easy. It's a brand new world. Life of pleasure. Anything is possible, and there is no calculation of any kind of risk. But there's a secret in the group. Germain is intensely attracted to Picasso. And Casagamas can't get it up with Germain. He's totally impotent. Like he is shy and awkward around girl like it's just not as and he is so consumed with love from her that he cannot consummate this passionate mm. love so he falls into a deep depression he attempts suicide once Jeez. and that's when Pablo is like this is December 1900 they've been in Paris six weeks there's a lot going on okay and there's so, much living left to do and Pablo's like hey buddy <laughs> Let's go on back to Spain, get a change of scenery around for the holidays. So they head back to Spain and poor broken hearted dude is still writing letters every day to sweet Germaine, And it was going well enough until Casagamas acts so badly in front of Picasso's family that Picasso puts him on a boat back to Barcelona. Yikes. Like he apparently went out of line that much. So from Barcelona back Casagamas goes to Paris and Casagamas again, Asked Germaine to live with him or marry me or like make make and she's like nodded. Nah, so Pablo is still out of the country on february seventeenth, nineteen oh one. They've been in Paris four months. Casagamas is like, all right, hey guys, I'm hosting a little dinner party at the Hippodrome Cafe. Everybody come on. So all of his buddies are there and Germain is there and there's a lot of wine and absinthe and Casagamas and one final sweeping gesture, begging Germaine for her love, which is again denied. He takes out a gun, shoots her, misses, she falls to the ground, he turns the gun onto himself. He dies that evening.
0: Oh my god. Just... And just there with his group of friends? Mm-hmm. Just, just kicking just it. hanging out at the hippodrome. Wow. Okay. That is upsetting. Picasso
1: returns back to Paris in May. Back goes back to the studio he shared with his dead friend, but there's no time to grieve because his agent has secured an exhibition for Picasso with the dealer of Renoir and Cezanne. Yes. It's a big fucking deal. Yeah. So in a month, Picasso needs to paint 60 canvases. 60. May and June of 1901. Pablo is frantic, he's painting three canvases a day. It is energetic and the show woo is a great success and here he is young and unknown with such confident assured work and he isn't imitating anything he's his paintings are very bella poke in this but it's a it, uh, ah he he's great he's selling paintings and the press carries articles about him there's a photo of him made with his little gang in a velvet suit <laughs> mm mm-hmm. <laughs> 1901, it's this breakthrough (sighs) year. But once the success is settled, Pablo has time to make uh, Germain, Lady Cat Love number one, and mourn his friend. And his paintings change. And this begins the three-year period of his art known as the Blue Period. When you hear about Picasso's Blue Period, it is, he is obsessed with painting the image of his dead friend (laughs) over and over and over And one of these paintings he actually keeps hidden and with him for, I've seen it both ways, the next 50 years, the next 65 years until his death. It's just like these paintings are in Picasso's own collection as an artist of the things that you have that you'll never sell because they mean too much. So all the blue painting is happening, color is gone. Where his last exhibition was bright and colorful and movement and Bella Poke, this is somber and blues and grays and flat there's it's death it, it is it's mm-hmm. beautiful work but sure. okay
0: so you're <sighs> saying his second album took a real turn
1: <laughs> for sure <laughs> so all the blue painting and all the guilt happening because now he's with Jermaine and like he can't do it bails on Jermaine. lady cat love Number one out and he's he's done with it, he's done with love. he will actually paint her in the future in a really famous painting of his, but the romance is done, and he is gonna continue like mourning his friend he's twenty, and he stopped doing the paintings he was doing before now he's painting blue like only blue and like. All the underside of the pleasures that we once had and all the things that consumed his friend, and this period lasts for three years. Picasso has no agent, no money; he is twenty one and fucking broke and it uh and at twenty one fucking broke, he has to admit failure and heads on back to Barcelona to
0: yep to dad
1: to dad, right Pablo's lost; he's still painting. And I'm sure like dad's like, ha it turns out it wasn't that easy, son. He hangs out in Barcelona till like 1903. By 22, he completes a pretty good work that gets him back on track. And I guess he's done with blue because he's about had enough of the period he's been in and he's ready to try Paris again. So in April 1904, Pablo heads back for Paris for good. He is 22. That will be his... Home base location for the rest of time. Goes back to Montmartre. Now he's in the Bateau L'Avoir. This is an old piano factory. There is no gas, no electricity. It is freezing in winter, hot in summer, but it is free. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And there are 15 other artists that live and stay and work there. And Picasso will be here from 1904 to 1910 and will remember this as his happiest and most productive period. He later recalls that during this time, this is when he really felt like an artist, not an animal of curiosity. Hmm. Like, he's about to break through. Like, he comes back in 1904. By 1914, he's the shit. But this decade that before his second breakthrough, which is his real success, he remembers this time as his best time. Okay. So if Mon Mart. Was bohemian before it is now five years, you know, four or five years later, and even more so. So he pals around with people like Max Jacob, who teaches him French, uh, Apollinaire, the like super Mm -hmm. famous poet of the day, along with some other writers. They're called the Picasso Gang. They eat together, they drink together, they travel together, they stumble up all those stairs drunk at night to get there's a fuckload of stairs to get to Montmartre. Yeah. All of his friends from this point on, because Casagamas was an artist. All of his friends from this point on will be writers and poets with the one exception of George Brock. Um, Picasso and these writers and friends, they kind of have this symbiotic thing because Pablo can paint it, but his writers and poet friends write it. And it's, It's a very comfortable sort of feeling with each other. Pablo will make his inclusion with writers and poets because Mm -hmm. they have a different sort of language. Right. right. He has the vision. They have the words. Now we're going to enter Lady Cat Lover number two. Her name is Fernande Olivier. La Belle Fernande. 1904. She is a married professional model, but Picasso pursues her relentlessly. And one night, soaked from a rainstorm, the Bateau d'avoir is right there. I'm and rolling my she eyes. knocks on his Uh-oh. door and he's like, Would you like to see my studio? <laughs> and
0: Okay. Sorry. This is uh, classic.
1: No gas, no heat, no electric like it is the most miserable hovel They're of a fucking place. By their love. She walks in. It's a fucking mess. It is cold. There are cans all over the place. It is not clean. Fernand spends the next six years living there with him. (laughs) And like colors return to his canvases. It's love. And things are wonderful with love. And life is about to amp the hell up for our boy Pablo. So what happens? You may have heard of this lady named Gertrude Stein. And she's a wealthy American heiress. Chilling out in Paris with her brother Leo. Leo. And the two of them are in the process of building the largest collection of avant-garde paintings ever assembled. She's in on the scene. She sees a work by Picasso, and she's hooked. She pays 800 francs for it, which is a small fucking fortune. And one day leaves Montparnasse, stumbles on up to Montmartre, knocks on his little studio door unannounced, and buys another 10 paintings from him.
0: So she's a major patron is what you're saying. She she just got like, yes. Like,
1: he would have found his own way, but her attachment to him um is the flipping point, mm-hmm. which is sort of interesting. um There's definitely a trashy tidbit story of this. I don't have that much time to tell this, but there's a lot of feelings in this relationship. Okay. But he paints her portrait. Uh, it takes a bunch of sittings. We're going to talk about the trashy tidbit. But at the end of the day... His work is hanging in her very popular, very well attended, very chic salon next to the great master painters of. He is 25 and hanging in the best room in town with a fuckload of cachet. And from this point on, Pablo has no more money problems. He's got 99 problems. They are women. But financially, he's set.
0: Okay. Okay. It's a great combo of gameplay. It's a memory puzzle, a design project, an intriguing storyline with genuinely fabulous art. When you want to let your mind wander, relax into this glorious 1920s murder mystery and get lost in the fun. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android.
1: There's a new artistic breakthrough that happens. He's painting kind of new things like this is a dude who learns everything and twists it. So now he's got kind of a new style that he's working on, which by 1914 is going to end La Bella Polk and kick off the movement of modern art. So, like, I just want you to keep in mind the creative explosion happening in his brain Mm -hmm. where we are the countdown to an artistic era ending and another one beginning. Okay. But back to the trashy love part. So it's 1911. And Pablo and Fernand have been together nine years. And Fernand is a little irritated because Pablo is spending all of his time with George Brock. And they're having bro time every day because they're both learning and playing with cubism. So I want to give a little mention to something that happened a few years before. In April 1907, Fernand goes to a local orphanage and adopts a 13-year-old girl.
0: Super nice. Just Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay, great. Walking in like, hey, need one of those? like well, I it's Paris in 1907 she I I, I bet they didn't even Carter. her
1: doesn't last because Fernand discovers explicit drawings of the child made by Picasso.
0: Ooh.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh Fernand sends the girl back to the orphanage.
0: Oh god. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um so this is 1907. So even though they got together in 1904, like by 1907 There's definitely, okay, like... Some tension in the relationship. You're spending all your time with, you know, Brock, and Mm -hmm. you've got shady... Like, no.
0: You're... Yeah.
1: But sometimes Pablo and Fernand go out to cafes to party, because it's Paris after all. And one day in 1911, they meet this real nice couple. The girl is beautiful, and her boyfriend is an artist, too. They have lots in common. So they become couple friends. Let's meet. Let's hang out. Let's go to Gertrude Stein's salon together. And before you know it, the girl, Marcel, and Fernand are BFFs. Hmm. And Fernand is confiding her love woes to her new BFF, Marcel. And she's so unhappy. And she's going to have this affair on Pablo with this other artist. And, hey, uh, Marcel, can you cover for me? Which turns out to be a huge mistake because Marcel and Pablo start fucking around, enter Lady Cat Lover Number Three. Mm. Okay, now Marcel, who Pablo is going to rename Eva, he oh. thinks he's Adam. Oh, God. he thinks she's Eve. Wow. So she, Mar- Marcel Humbert, is her given name. She will be known as Eva Ghoul for ever after this, because Pablo gives her a new name. Sure. Eva sure, we're gonna,
0: Turner, okay. We're gonna
1: call her Eva now, is quiet and tender. And Fernand is not any of those things. She is tall and loud. She's been living in a hovel for six years right. with a
0: bunch of artists and rock. A Come bunch on of sticky boys, yeah.
1: Pablo and Eva begin their affair late in nineteen eleven, and he is adding coded messages to his canvases at this time. So when you see peaches, that is her symbol. And he's writing like, I love Eva in the camp. Like, there's nothing the fairy. I don't know how it took as long for it to get revealed. But everyone is fucking around on everyone else. Fernand has taken a new lover. Pablo is fucking her best friend. But that's secret and undercover by February 1912. Alice Toklas... Mm-hmm. The companion of Gertrude Stein has spotted what is shaking down. And by May, Picasso <laughs> goes to Fernand and he's like, hey, I know about your affair and I'm leaving you.
0: Uh...
1: He moves out of their place, fires the maid and withdraws his financial support. And in a super smooth move not to be outdone, Pablo and Eva take off for southern France. They just want to escape Where? Or- No one knows us. So they go play hooky. Skip town. Sure. But I know about your affair. Yeah. Well, and
0: it's, I'm I'm out. Can't believe you'd be unfaithful to me.
1: Not to be outdone. Fernand is like, no way is that girl taking my man. So she leaves her new lover, hightails it around the country, following Pablo and Eva to try to get her man back. But Pablo and Eva are like packing up. Don't tell her we were here. And skip into the oh next. My God. I know.
0: All right. I didn't okay. know any of this. Oh, it's so crazy. Eva,
1: I, I guess, I don't know. They're escaping in in the middle of the night. And like Eva wins the day, or at least Pablo. I don't know if she wins the day. So I want to wrap the story of Fernand. Legit. All it has taken is for Picasso to get some fame and success, and she's dumped. And remember, she has no legal right to anything. Because she's still married to her first
0: husband. Oh, God. Okay.
1: (sighs) She takes odd jobs. She does write a memoir in 1930, which is published in serialized form called Loving Picasso. She's down on her luck, but remains largely forgotten until 1956. Uh, She, at this point, is deaf and suffering from arthritis. She goes to Pablo and persuades him to help her out with a stipend financially in return for not publishing anything else about him. She dies in 1966. It's just tragic. This is the woman who knew and loved him before he became the... Pablo Picasso. Yeah, the man, the myth, the legend. Yeah. So Fernand is out. And remember, Eva's in play now. Mm -hmm. So by 1913, Pablo is talking marriage with Eva. And let's go meet my family. Sadly, Daddy Picasso passes away in May Mm -hmm. of 1913. And in that same year, Eva develops tuberculosis, maybe some form of cancer. No, it's kind of undetermined. Sure, But Eva dies in Paris December of 1915. And Pablo is, yeah, a wreck. Three up, three down. Dude, antibiotics. (laughs)
0: I'm not even joking.
1: Antibiotics are going to become a big deal in just a minute. Hang tight. Great, great. Okay. So Pablo is mourning the loss of Eva until about 1917 when Lady
0: Cat Love Number mm. 4 comes along. Olga Koklova. Oh, this is... They they get married, don't they? Koklova. Olga Koklova. Olga. Mm-hmm. I'm... Picasso. Come for
1: the trashy divorce. Stay for the pronunciation. Okay. <laughs> Olga is a ballerina in the Ballet Rousset, uh, taking part in Paris. Like, it is... Zelda and Scott have an attachment to this. Ernest and like Mm. it is a big fucking deal in Paris at the time. Not only because of the dancing, but the choreography and the sets and the costumes, because the ballet russe is using all of the talents of people around, making this modern thing of this very classical ballet happen. Amazeballs. So Pablo is designing the costumes and sets for one of these shows. And in May 1917, Pablo meets Olga, who promptly leaves the show to stay with him. He introduces her to the family. They're living together in Paris by the end of the year. And in July of 1918, woo celebrate good times. Olga and Pablo are married. It's their first marriage. Life's great. Yeah. They have a son in 1921, Paolo. And their relationship is going to deteriorate from this point on.
0: Perfect,
1: Because you see Lady Cat Love, what we number love five,
0: trashy divorces.
1: is going to walk in the door in 1927.
0: Jesus. Okay.
1: And her name is Marie-Therese Walter. And Pablo and Marie-Therese are going to start a secret love affair. Secret. Secret. Which is
0: why we don't know about it.
1: That goes on for eight years until 1935 Jesus. when the wife Olga finds out about it. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Oh, Olga only finds out about it when her friend tells her that, oh, Marie-Therese is pregnant, too.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Olga's done. She takes off with Paolo to the south of France and files for divorce. And Pablo's like, you're not getting in my anything. I'm not going to split my assets. And Uh. Olga is like bitterly opposed to the whole thing. Like, how dare the fuck you do this to me? Instead, (laughs) she impounds his work until he comes to terms with eventually paying her a large allowance Hmm. they live separately until her death in 1955 so she
0: remains mrs picasso two decades Mm -hmm. good lord she dies
1: his legitimate wife, wife never never granted super trashy no divorce yikes isn't that crazy
0: I mean I had heard um and she m- leaves them
1: twenty years before.
0: Yeah, notably in um Hannah Gadsby's Ned Net, she goes off on how shitty Picasso was to women. Oh yeah. Didn't know. Well, here's your here's Didn't your backup. Know. Okay.
1: Yeah. Okay. So this trashy non divorce is gonna play out for the rest right, of right yeah. for the next twenty years. But let's back up the bus a little to talk about Marie Therese. Okay. She's going to be Pablo's side piece for nine years. Mm. Like he's got a 10 year rock. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All
0: right.
1: So their relationship begins when she is 17 and he is 45. Married with a kid. Pablo's smitten. He sets her up in an apartment on the next street. Eventually that becomes across the street. And now all of these blondes are appearing in his paintings. Like how Olga wasn't suspicious as fuck, I have no idea because this sort of almost splits. He's already been in Cubism, but now he's playing in two faces. These are the mirrors. These are the double images that don't balance each other because it's all such a eight year long secret affair with the hot blonde that lives across the street. Poor Olga. Okay. Okay. All of his art becomes about desire and fear and it's like cubism on parade with splitting faces like dude has some really unresolved feelings about women leaving that there. So this affair is all kinds of like down low. Marie Therese gets pregnant. Olga's friends like, hey, I got to tell you something. Their child is born in 1935, a daughter named Maya, and they're happy enough. I guess they never get married. But that 10 year countdown is coming up. So Marie Therese, who inspired all of these works, sure. in mother and child motifs right. is gonna get cheated on with Lady Cat Love Number Six, mm. who comes along in nineteen thirty-six, Dora Marr. This th- So re- this
0: is a year after his wife learns of the affair and like Yeah moves out and, and God keep going, Bud, keep going. <laughs> yeah, no, well I mean they don't really end. I know, but I mean
1: He's going to continue to see Marie Therese all through his relationship oh with God. Dora. Mar. Oh, okay. oh, so this no, guy is a nothing rash okay. bag. Yeah. So Dora is a budding young photographer. She is a big deal in surrealist circles. And hey, she can speak Spanish too, And she is plotting for the 54-year-old Picasso. She is 29. They meet in 1936 in a cafe in Paris. The story of this first encounter is told by the writer Jean-Paul Crispell. The young woman's serious face lit up by pale blue eyes, which looked all the paler because of her thick eyebrows. A sensitive, uneasy face, with light and shade passing alternatively over it. She kept driving a small pointed penknife between her fingers into the wood of the table. Sometimes she missed, and a drop of blood appeared between the roses Embroidered in her black gloves, Picasso would ask Dora to give him the gloves and he would lock them up in the showcase he kept for his mementos. Like, I think about Dora Moore and I think like Angelina Jolie, I was like say that kind of, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, I'm gonna put a knife in my okay, super goth, oh, right. super goth. All right,
0: but it sounds like she's maybe the opposite of um, Marie Therese. Totally, yeah, let's. Okay.
1: Debbie Reynolds, Elizabeth Taylor. It's night and day. So we're Marie Therese. uh, We're all these paintings of blonde and mother and child. And Dora is the tear. She's much darker. The angles come like the art history. in this is fascinating, but we're here for the trashy divorces. Okay. So he starts fucking around with Dora, but he's still continuing to see Marie Therese. And eventually pits the two of them against each other. There are rumors that there was a big physical fight between the two of them. Yikes. He has become physically abusive with Dora. Oh good. I'm probably sure Marie Therese too. By 1940 Marie therese and her daughter Maya are like, we're out of here. Yeah, good. Pablo will continue to support her and his child financially, but the love affair is pretty much done. By 1943, Pablo and Dora are seeing each other less because a new lady cat time clock kicking it's going to be happening in 1945 poor Dora has a mental breakdown she's admitted to a psychiatric clinic and she continues to see Picasso intermittently but as of this they're kind of done Pablo sort of ruins her Uh, she turns to religion to get over her heartbreak she doesn't photograph any longer like her once budding career is kind of smashed. She still paints. You said this was forty five though. They end in nineteen forty five.
0: Yeah, yeah I, I. Not to discount Picasso's role, but obviously France had just survived World War Two. Paris had like mm-hmm. just saying there are probably a lot of things that might smash a person's psyche happening in this in this era.
1: She refuses to exhibit for twenty five years. She dies in nineteen ninety seven. And has since been largely rediscovered for her art and creating a different kind of legacy that is not Pablo dicked me over. Right. Additionally, in this same year, 1997, Marie Therese hangs herself in her garage in France. God. Pablo leaves women wrecked.
0: Yeah. It's
1: not worth it. Uh, Marie Therese's grandchildren are all actively involved. Within the Picasso legacy, one is written about his life. Another one is cataloging his sculpture work. I don't know. The women in the story are so much more than he was ever going to let them be.
0: Right. It's and, that and he and he took it away from. Them I need
1: your attention on me, on me, on me, on me. Could. And yeah. then ten years and then of that. Tossed it, them. Yeah. All right. A lot of overlapping timelines. Let's back yeah. it on up. Yeah. To 1943, Lady Cat Love Number Seven is going to pop right in, and this one's my favorite. Françoise Jelot, Françoise, she was originally my side chick, which is how this whole thing started. And the story just became too good and overachiever that I am. I had to tell the whole thing. But Françoise, she's 21, Picasso 61. And he must have her after he spots her in a cafe. I don't know what kind of sex appeal you have at fucking 61. Poor Dora is like... What the hell is happening here? I'm getting replaced with a younger... Because now, like, she's a decade older. Right. Here's 61-year-old Picasso who doesn't realize he's a grown man. She could be all of 25. Dude has a timeline. Francoise moves in with Picasso in 1946. They spend, guess how many years together? Ten? Yep. Mm. She's an artist, too. So it's kind of ideal, and... In a similar way to Picasso's childhood, she has studied art from a young child as well. Like, they're both gifted just at different places in their art, you know, because of the 40-year age difference. They have a son, Claude, in 1947, and a daughter, Paloma, in 1949. But he's still married to Olga. Olga. And Olga sees Francois... In Paris and her kids and terrorizes all of them. Really? Like on the daily. Like, oh, she's going to be shopping for
0: brie and baguettes at three o'clock. Like, I shall be at the market. Francoise puts up with a lot. Yeah. Pablo physically abuses her too. Great.
1: They never marry. She leaves him in 1953. Good for her. When she does leave him, Picasso tells all the dealers in town not to carry her work anymore. What a dick. Dick bag so she kind of does everything she can to distance herself from him in and
0: he retaliates against her professionally that's cool yeah that's cool pablo cool hashtag cool. me too in
1: 1955 she does marry another artist they have a daughter that marriage lasts for about seven years they divorce in 1962 in 1964 she writes a book
0: uh.
1: called life with picasso which sells a million copies, even though there are legal challenges from Pablo trying to stop the book from being released. From this point on, Pablo refuses to see Claude and Paloma.
0: Oh, God. Wow, this guy just racking up the cool guy points here.
1: Uh, The proceeds from this book, any profits fund an account to make a legal case for those kids to be included in his legacy and will right because francois can read what's happening um like nope we're gonna need a lot of lawyers and a lot of money to fight it when he does bite it my two kids even though we weren't married are still yours Mm -hmm. you know here's the super fun spider web part in 1969, Francois is introduced to Jonas Salk, the old inventor of the polio vaccine. Yeah. And they fall in love and what? marry in Paris in 1970 and have a super successful 25-year marriage until Salk dies in
0: 1995. What a bizarre... Okay. Francois
1: is. is still alive and painting and really? being a badass. Yeah, there was a great 60 Minutes profile not too long ago because she brings sketchbooks and little like her, she has an exhibition somewhere. Like, she's that's so talented. That's amazing. Talented and fascinating AF, and just a remarkable woman kind of telling her own story. And I dig it. But let's talk about the lady cat love who busts up Pablo and Francois because uh, the time uh, clock, you can yeah, hear it.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. The telltale 10 year time clock. Number eight, lady cat love, number eight, Genevieve Laporte. I could say Genevieve, but I really do like saying Genevieve. Okay. She's born in Paris. She meets Picasso when she was a teenager during World War II. She interviews him for like her school newspaper or fucking something. Picasso is the poster on her wall.
0: Right, right. Okay. In 1951,
1: they begin their affair, although Picasso is 70. Almost, by now. She inspires his work and I he bet. wants her to... <laughs> <laughs> He wants her to move in, but Jean Cocteau is like, uh, hey Genevieve, this is not your wisest move. Let me tell you about these other seven lady cats. Yeah. So, Genevieve bails. She breaks she breaks all the patterns. She bails in 2 years. She bails in 1953. The same time Francois is walking out the door. Don't worry, there's another honey on the way for Pablo. But let's finish with Genevieve. In 1959, she marries a Parisian resistance fighter. Now, even though she missed the 10-year mark, she was only two, Geneviève got something a little bit more exciting, a shit ton of Picasso sketches.
0: Ooh.
1: Uh-huh. She auctions 20 of these works in June of 2005 for a total of $1.87 million, almost wow. $2 million. The priciest one, I think, oh, God, I don't have it written down, $579,000. But that's not all. In her life, she makes 18 documentary films. She is awarded a prize for her poetry. She also writes 16 books, four of which are on Picasso. Hmm. Okay.
0: Very accomplished. Dude, she's
1: love it. Okay. Still in 1953. We got time for one more. Lady cat love number nine. Jacqueline Roque. This one's going to stick until his death. Her super sad backstory here. She's born in 1927, so she's 34 when they hook up.
0: Oh, so she's elderly compared to most of his. I mean, she's half, he's 70. He's in his 70s by now, but she's twice the age of someone earlier.
1: <laughs> Poor Jacqueline. Her father abandons her mother when she's two years old. Her mom works as a seamstress. Her mom dies of a stroke when Jacqueline is 18. She has an early marriage to an engineer that goes bust after four years. And she and her daughter come back to France countdown to 1953. Picasso sees her. She's his new muse. He paints her legit for the next 10 years. They end up marrying because Olga passes away in 1955. Now Picasso's oh, so he, free to marry. Right. It takes them six years. They don't get married until March of 61. So it's another five years before they do get married. Jacqueline and Pablo remain married until his death in 1973 at the age of 91. Good God. He paints roughly 400 portraits of her. She is a recurring theme in his later works. And she has the kind of darkness, the dark look of Dora Maar in contrast to Jean-Vievre. Like... He really does play this double-sided thing. Anyway, she's the wife, and uh, she should have control over his estate, but uh,
0: Pablo isn't a paperwork kind of dude. So when he dies, he leaves no will. And and one of his exes has been, like, fundraising for a legal fund for a decade. Three illegitimate kids
1: and no will. So Francois, for the sake of her to kids, Uh is going to fight with Jacqueline Uh over the distribution of his estate. Now, remember, he dies with 70,000 pieces of art. Okay, not just 70,000 pieces of art. Remember the painting in that collection that he's never shown or told anybody about for 65 years? Yeah. Those kind of paintings. Right. The paintings that the artist is never going to sell. Right. All right. He never stops his work. Like, he is a... Pro- yes, other modern, modern art, but
0: prolific. Mm-hmm.
1: Jacqueline forbids Claude and Paloma from attending his funeral. There's a bunch of legal wranglings. We may get into the details of it. But at the end of the day, all parties agree to establish the Musée Picasso in Paris, which is kind of a fun story about the abandoned building. It almost was like a Bateau uh, Lavoir thing where there are a bunch of penniless art students using this abandoned old art school art house until they kicked him out to make the Picasso museum. It was kind of cool. Okay. Loving this man apparently is lethal to the heart. Jacqueline commits suicide as well in 1986 at the age of 59.
0: Oh my God.
1: So as much as Picasso may have been like mythologized lifestyle, unconventional lived with great passion, really good, with the art thing, sure. but I feel like women to him, I think we talked about this in Lily Pulitzer, women to him are usable, disposable spoons. And I've used you, I've put you in the drawer, I don't like your pattern anymore, I'm going to throw you away and just find a new spoon. He uses them up and tosses them out. He made some amazing work. He's also a dick bag.
0: I, I believe that is demonstrated, yeah.
1: That's the trashy love life of Pablo Picasso and his nine lady cat loves.
0: That's, uh, <sighs> that story lived up to the hype. You
1: said this was. And this is whatever my 19,000 words of research cut down to tell it within inside of an episode. I don't think I'm done talking about this is we're definitely going to follow up on trashy. Tidbits. Oh, I'm sure
0: there are spider webs for <sighs> days. on this Jonas slide. Salk, dude. There's
1: mm-hmm. so there's so many crazy things in the story. As yeah. trash cans go, I don't know seventy thousand trash cans that replace themselves every ten years.
0: <laughs> How's that sound? That's, um, that's good. That seems completely fitting. Yeah.
1: <sighs> I need a glass of wine <laughs> and some butter and a croissant after yeah, that. Yeah. Wow. Hey y'all, sorry for all of my slaughtering of pronunciations.
0: It's part of the fun. <laughs> so you say? I know. We <laughs> we never get comments about it. <laughs> hey y'all, thanks for tuning in. Y'all are
1: the very best. Don't forget on Patreon this week, we've got your trashy politics. Mm-hmm. We're going to have another one of our side piece number 3 coming up. I guess I can commit now. Katherine Hepburn. It's going to be side piece number three this Wednesday on the Patreon. Keep it trashy,
0: but not as trashy as oh, that back. Sure. Picasso. Go watch Nanette.
1: Ah, think, for real? I think
0: I may go watch Nanette again because so now good. I know the backstory. Hmm. See you next week, y'all. Yeah. Big cheers. Keep it trashy. Bye. Bye.
1: And thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia by us, Stacey and Alicia.